over 122 nationalities, pretty much the entire world. So I have a great, I wouldn't say I'm still learning, I'm learning every single day, but I learned quite a lot about cultures, how to do business with them, how to communicate with them, how to decode and decode the communication style by not only verbally, but non-verbal cues as well. And through that, my business obviously have done very well. And I want to teach that to other people. How can you do business internationally? How can you deal with other um, communities that are different than yours? At one point, you will run out of doing business with the same people as yourself. The world is vast. The world has so many people. We're talking about over 7 billion people. Just imagine if you just get quarter, half of the understanding you should have about those 7 billion people. How much business can you do? And how much better can you communicate with these people and connect and build long-term relationships? Communication, in essence, what is communication? Communication basically is derived from uh, the Latin word communicar, which means make it common or bring, bring out the common out of your expressions to other people that may not know about you. So basically that's what it is. Uh, I am on a mission believe it or not, to educate as much as I can um, the beauty of cultures and the beauty of diversity. So back at you, um, this is all about you, as a matter of fact, not about me. <laughs> uh, so we, we want to know about you in here because I uh, am, we are recording this for my podcast, which has to do with culture and diversity. Um, and the purpose is to bridge the gap, bring the cultures that people may not be familiar, familiar with, bring them closer to you so you can better understand um, in the future. Well, I'm all yours, Monlu. You just fire me the question <laughs> and I will give you the answer as best as I can. Okay, well, I will start. I, I really want to know and what attracted me to you because obviously we share a lot in common. We moved from one place to another and we succeeded in our new environment. That takes a lot of work, courage, confidence, so on and so forth. So Grace, tell me more about you. Okay, um, yeah, so I was born and raised in a different country, in the Philippines, in the southern Philippines, actually. Um, I'm, I'm actually very proud of my hometown. We call it the boomtown of the Philippines um, because it's very progressive. We have real great fishing industry over there. Um, it's called the back door of the Philippines. We produce massive, massive tuna. And uh, we've also produced one of the best sports people in the world. I don't know if you guys have heard about Manny Pacquiao. Um, he's a, a world-class um, boxer. He's now a senator, not a, not, he's a politician now. But yes, yeah, so I was born and raised there. And um, I do speak the 
main language, which is, they call it Tagalog. Um, in the old days, it was strictly called Filipino. Um, and I also speak two dialects, um, which is Bisaya and Ilongo, but I mainly use Bisaya all of my life. And um, that's just a native tongue where I grew up in. And well, what pushed me out of the town is that I just wanted to really, I don't know, I've heard about this big city that was like the New York of the Philippines. It's called Manila. <laughs> when I was growing up, my whole life growing up, I was like attracted to it. It was in the newspapers. It was in the television. And it felt like a place where I can really get lost into as an incognito type of existence. I wanted to, um, if you will, like search for myself, my own identity without, you know, the influence of, of, of the environment that I was growing up in. And so I did that when I was... Um, 21 or something like that and I worked in Manila for a couple of years and uh, it was a great experience totally different from the environment that I grew up in because I came from a I went from small town to to kind of like a it's like a rat race kind of city you can imagine um you know the main city in in you're in Florida well Miami, for example, like it's like so busy and buildings everywhere and billboards everywhere and people are always rushing here and there and there's just no, no very little eye contact and um, it's just like real busy and I had to, obviously I, I was working as well, single person. So um, although I've, I've learned a lot about myself, I moved away um, from the country altogether for, for two reasons. Um, I fell in love, but also I was willing to um, see what else. I felt that I had room for more um, diversity. I felt like I had more room for more um, different experiences. And I felt that I've had, I've seen the extremes of my country, you know, the spectrum from really quiet to really busy. And so I felt like, I want to find out what other cultures are there. Like, how different can it be? And what does that feel like? And so I, when I moved to Australia, this is 20 years ago, um, it was really funny because the first day, no, it was the second day maybe, um, that I was here, we went to, um, we went to a fish and chip sh shop. So it's a shop where you buy um, fish and chips. I don't know if you know what fish and chips are, but they're like, you know, yeah. Anyway, so um, my husband at the time, he said to me, oh, um, I hope it's okay with you, but it's a little bit crowded today. And then I looked around the shop and there were like three or four people. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, you call this crowded? <laughs> I was like really concerned because <laughs> I came from the city of Manila, right? Because there's a and I'm like, oh my God, three or four people and it's crowded. What is this? <laughs> but that was because um, we're in regional Australia and um, I've learned to love the peace. I've learned to love so much space around me and I've had to um, embrace uh, the, the, the way that they say things and do things. And there's a couple of really funny things. Like, for example, um, the forest, they call that a bush. And as a Catholic growing up in the Philippines, what I understand of the bush is the flaming bush from the Bible, which is like this, this small. <laughs> so when they say to me, throw it in the bush, and I'm like, where's the bush? <laughs> and they say, there's the bush. It's the forest. So, um, 
it's a real um, eye opener, and I've, I've, I love the experience um, of learning. Uh, yeah, and, and Australian people are so kind and really fun loving and really relaxed, different, um, a different mindset um, for, from yes. what I've grown up with. And so uh, it's, it's been such a privilege to be able to immerse in different cultures in my okay. experience. Yeah. Okay. Sounds, sounds good. I am going to go back and take you back to the Philippines. Okay. Um, I do understand that your second language is English. So I want to understand the system, the education system in the Philippines. They speak all the dialects that you mentioned. And then when they go to school, do they study with those di in those dialects or English? Well, in my experience, I can't say for all schools, but I'm pretty sure it's all the same. It's, it's a uniform curriculum in the, for the entire country, I'm pretty sure. But we, we study Filipino in the Filipino subject, which is the Filipino, the main language. But uh -huh. everything else is in English. So like all the bank contracts, the legal contracts, the textbooks, yes. uh, the billboards, um, the newspapers. Although we do have Filipino magazines like, yeah, like Lee Y I think that's a magazine in the old days. Uh -huh. uh, but it, yeah, there's, um, but you know, um, in the 70s, I heard that we had um, three main languages, that there was the Spanish as well. We were colonized by um, Spaniards for 350 something years. And for a long uh -huh. time, Filipinos spoke um, uh, Spanish as well. And in fact, there is still a, um, a province now called Zamboanga. I think that they are, they speak half Spanish and half Filipino. It's called Chabacano. And so they, yeah, you, you, yeah. So they have, so that would be a dialect now, but it's a yeah. full derivative of the Spanish language. And I think that they stopped teaching Spanish in the seventies or maybe just before the eighties came on, before I went to school, I would have loved to learn Spanish, but yeah. So I just grew up in, in, with English and, and Filipino. And it's interesting you asked me that question, Mona, because I found when I went to high school, uh -huh. when, um, so the, the Filipino subject at school uh, would become more and more complicated. Like they give you words to study that have been used, um, like ancient Filipino words. And uh -huh. because it's not being used on a daily basis, it's difficult to apply it to the actual um, practical language, like for example, um, there's a word to refer for uh, bra, and uh -huh. the word is um, salung susu, which if you actually interpret that into English, literally it means catch the boob. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, that's why it's never good to translate. I don't think we're allowed to use that here, but um, excuse the language, but um, but we it was. We didn't use it, you see. We just said bra on a day. Uh -huh. it, was, um, it wasn't really our favorite subject to study anyway, unless you want to uh -huh. become a Filipino professor or a Filipino historian. Um, everything else is, yeah, English. So, so we, we can assume that English is widely spoken in the Philippines, and the Filipinos are well aware of the Western lifestyle as I know for sure, there are a lot of Westerners living in, uh, in the Philippines. 
So have you had contact with Westerners before you uh, moved out of the Philippines? Uh, yes, I worked with Westerners. One of my um, employers were, was a uh, New Zealand um, national. Uh, and uh -huh. yeah, and one of my relatives, um, a, not a couple of my relatives were married to um, Western people. And um, yeah, so I wasn't, I've, I've spoken to them before I moved to Australia. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, uh, that's extremely important because obviously there are some other places, like for me as an example, uh, the second language is not English. So that's just one of the languages I do speak. The second language automatically at early age we start speaking French. So for you, it's much easier to move out of, or it was easier to move out of uh, the Philippines to Australia because obviously you had previous knowledge and you did study in English. Now I want to know the transition, the feeling, you moved out of your comfort zone. You moved out of your home, your family, everything that you were accustomed to. And then you are now in a new environment. I want to know the feeling. Talk to me about your feelings. Yeah. Um, well, uh, first of all, I it was a sensation. <laughs> I landed here. Um, on a winter and I didn't know <laughs> so this is well actually I don't know I had for some reason I'm not really geography is not my forte and at the time for some reason I thought Australia was somewhere next to Canada um, so okay <laughs> so, but yeah first of all it was the weather it was um, it was a little bit colder um, but also uh -huh. Um, I found that the when it comes when it came to feelings, I found because the people were very relaxed, very laid back, and very accepting um, around where I am. Uh -huh. It was easy to adjust that way. Um, when it comes, where I kind of struggled was with the food. Um, I remember okay. was before I left. The Philippines, my favorite fast food was KFC. And I know KFC uh -huh. is global, but in the Philippines, KFC, we serve rice with the chicken. And uh -huh. there's also a famous KFC um, brownie in the Philippines uh -huh. that you can order. So I came here and because the food, the food from the supermarket that we cook at home, they were a little bit um, alien and foreign to me and I'm not used to them yet. So after about two weeks or so, uh -huh. I, I met a friend, a Filipino friend, and she said, let's go and, and eat some KFC. So I was excited. It was like, finally, I can have something familiar. And, but then when we went to the KFC here, I tried to order rice and, and my favorite brownie. And they said, and, and they looked at me like, what? <laughs> so they didn't serve uh -huh. rice or the brownie, just the chicken. And I was really disheartened. So when it comes to feelings, that was one of the most memorable feelings for me moving to here when I couldn't order rice from my favorite fast food. I was, I started to feel um, like 
I'm not at home. And it was, it was through that experience. Um, but also okay. the, the population was a little bit of an adjustment for me, like I said before, because I'm so used to many people. And whenever someone said, oh, there's, there, it's a bit crowded now. And, and you can see there's only like half a dozen or maximum 10. And I'm like, if you call this crowded, <laughs> so that took a little bit of adjusting too. Um, but eventually I learned to love it. I do, I do love it. Yeah. Now, let's talk about challenges, possible racism. Um, any experience that you may have encountered as uh, a newcomer to Australia. I know I remember uh, when I came here to the state, I met this cute guy and he asked me where, 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 where was I from? And when I said Morocco, he said, where the hell was, where the hell was that? And you're like, oh, I have, I have a serious struggle right now. So obviously I realized that people don't know much about the world and they don't know much about geography. And from that experience or um, after that, I've discovered so many things. What happened in your case when you moved Australia and you are saying you're from the Philippines are they a lot of Filipinos in Australia or whatever the city where you you are at um so challenges I did have a couple um I remember having to understand the way that they joked around here um, uh -huh. for example one day I was with a, an Australian girlfriend and it, the weather wasn't very good. Like it was raining and we were hoping for a sunny day because we love the beaches here. The beaches in Australia are just magnificent. Uh -huh. um, and then she said to me, oh, Grace, you brought the weather with you, did you? And I, I'm an empath. Like I'm, I'm, I'm quite sensitive. And I, at the time I thought that she was, um, she was actually being mean to me by saying to me that you're like, you jinxed the weather. But I had to learn that that's the way they made jokes. And so just little things like that. But I guess when it comes to diverse culture and diversity, the biggest challenge that I would say I had was when I started working for um, the bank. So I worked with one of the biggest um, four banks here in Australia for quite a long time, but in the first few years um, of my job there, probably about between one and four years, it's quite a lot. And um, it's just here in the local area. And I was, I, I was like the first Asian banker around here where in my local town. And so people, the customers of that particular bank, they were not used to seeing a bank officer with black hair and brown skin. And so it's just, it was new to them. And I'm with you, I'm with you, go ahead, keep going. Sure, um, so it was new to them. And um, what happened is that, although my colleagues were very supportive and you know, my colleagues I had, it's, it's all fine, but with the customers, oh. um, I had different types of, some are subtle with, with the 
racism is not a word that I'm very fond of. Let's just call it um, uh, a color challenged, race challenged. Like not everyone was very subtle in the way that they expressed the, the, the confronting side of an Asian banker. Because, you know, um, if you imagine yourself as a regular mm -hmm. customer of a bank and you go to this mm -hmm. bank once or twice a week, and you, you know, you have this feeling that it's a familiar place, it's a safe place, it's where I keep all my money, and it's, it's, and, and people there um, deal with my money, and they, they, they take care of it. And then one day you walk into the bank, and there's this black hair, brown skin, new face that you are not familiar with, and they don't speak the same kind of, um, of, of, of accent. She's obviously yeah. foreign. And, and you know that she is in charge. If, if she's serving you, if I'm serving them, it means that I'm, in, I'm actually handling their money. And so it was yeah. confronting for them. And not everybody was gracious. And so if, if I had any challenge, that was probably it. But it wasn't, um, it was all very, uh, well, yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't something that you couldn't deal with because uh, most people will probably just, um, say something like no i don't want to be served by her i'd rather go to that person so that would have been as bad as it went like i wasn't actually abused verbally like face to face but um i know yeah customers would actually say no i'm sorry i don't want to be served by her and um really yeah so it was um and that happened for you know for for a few years but um and that, you, you know what it could be what i'm going to say is that if I know this happens not, this would have happened not just to me, but to, to people, yes, yes. a lot of other, you know, um, Asians out there that are probably holding a similar circumstance. And, and what I'm going to say uh -huh. is that um, just hold your ground, like, especially if you're working for a respectable company and you know that the company has your back, like they didn't uh -huh. employ you and, and, and put you in that position if they didn't know that you can't handle what's about what you're about to face. And if your colleagues are supportive of you, well, that's all you need. Don't worry about customers that are not, you know, uh, patients if you're a nurse, customers if you're in a, in a, in a service industry, um, don't take it to heart. Um, they're just, uh -huh. uh, that's just their, their personal perspective. And, and all you can do is respect that as long as they're not really verbally abusing you. And if, if they say, I don't want to be um, uh, speaking with that person, then that's their personal prerogative. And what I can say is that hold your space. It's nothing personal. It's just a way that people, you know, hold their belief systems and, and, and feel comfortable in their environment. And, and you're fine. You're perfect as you are. Because what happens is that as you move through the days and the months and the years, uh -huh. it was mm -hmm. just another day. And, and you grow into yourself. And yeah. So it's good that you said this and that you explained how it went. Now, my question, let's say someone here is listening to us and he has the same mentality as the one you described coming to the bank and treating you that way. What would you tell this person? Um, as me tell that, what would I tell the customer? Yes, let's say he's not a customer. Someone listening to us and he has the same attitude uh, towards foreigners, let's call them foreigners. Yes, because we are. Okay. Okay. okay, let's call them foreigners. He has the same attitude. What would you tell them? Well, if I 
was in the position to say something. I'll just, um, I'm the kind of person that actually just, I don't say anything to antagonize people, but I'll ask them a question. You know, um, how, why do you feel that way? Uh -huh. What makes you feel uncomfortable? Can I perhaps enlighten you about something? Can I help you with something? I don't know. I would rather ask a question than say something. So I'm not, I would rather get it out of them to, to clarify for themselves what they're going through than me tell them because that's probably usually going to be confronting and antagonizing because the last thing they want to hear is someone telling them how to think. But if someone asks them a question, it's a little bit more emphatic. Like you actually want to know, are you okay? Why do you feel this way? And obviously I'm going to, after asking a couple of questions, I'm just going to say, look, we're all the same. We're all connected, especially after COVID-19. You have yeah. to accept the fact that we are all one. There is no disparity. It's just all the same. You, you and I, we're equal. We all have the same level field opportunities, especially after what we've been through for the last six months. So I would yeah. just love, yeah. Yeah. Don't you think that uh, it is happening because people are, certain people are isolated and don't have much knowledge about other cultures they don't have much knowledge about where the world hosts um, they've never been anywhere or it's just an attitude things mm, yeah true um it is uh, it has a uh, racism has a lot to do with uh, lack of full knowledge yes i think some people would say the word ignorance but i wouldn't be so harsh because sometimes it's not someone's choice to, uh -huh. to be lacking in knowledge. Yes. Most of the time we do act out of a paradigm where we want to protect ourselves, we, we care for ourselves. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I respect everyone's um, position, but it is also my responsibility to, to not just let, let that happen because it happened to me. So I feel the, the need to, you know, um, incite some questions answered and just say, say something really universal and true like after COVID-19 like you, you it's it's just so un indisputable in, it's indisputably true that we are all connected we are all the same and one mm -hmm. uh, I have another question for you Grace let's say the Westerner or whoever the Australian let's say the case of Australian he was working in the Philippines Will be will he be subjected to the same treatment? Potentially, as mm -hmm. Potentially. depends where he is. Um, like in any place, in uh -huh. in yeah, in any country, you, you it depends where you are. If you're in the city, may probably not. But if you're in a if you're in a different kind of town with a little bit of a different um, environment, perhaps it's a smaller town, you could be subjected to um, people trying to take advantage of you because you don't speak the dialect, you don't speak the language. And so people can be, sometimes they might just make fun of you because I know um, I've heard of stories where um, locals have taught foreigners to say something as if it means 
I love you, but it actually means really bad. <laughs> and so yeah, this yeah, yeah. would get around saying something and, and he thinks he's saying really good stuff. And, but obviously he doesn't know. And so people would laugh at him. And so I believe that's racism. You know, you don't treat people like that just because they don't know. Um, yeah, so you don't want to teach people the wrong thing. So you, you could, it, it goes both ways for sure. It goes yeah. both ways. I think racism is not just white people on black or white people on, on, on brown. It is also the other way around. And, and yes. it's sad, isn't it? Because we see different physical, physicality. Mm -hmm. um, we, we divide, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing that I wanted to know about the Filipino culture, I know the communication style is different from the Philippines to Australia. Um, I know in Australia it's very direct, and in the Philippines they'd rather say face. They they uh, depend a lot on nonverbal cues rather than be uh, confrontational or uh, discuss their feelings straight out and tell you exactly what they think. Uh, as far as the communication style between the Philippines and Australia, what can you tell us about that? Well. Um... I feel that uh, I'm, I've lived here now for 20 years, so um, I do tend to, I am so much more Australian with the way that I express my thoughts now, which, is, okay. which means that I am very upfront. And uh -huh. um, I do tend to be a little bit more careful when I'm speaking with, say, family um, back in the Philippines, uh -huh. because I don't wanna hurt their feelings. Um, yes. Even though I don't mean to hurt their feelings, it's just that sometimes I can come across very direct. But for me, yeah. it's just the way that I, the way that I live. And so, yes, there is a difference. Um, and I feel that, Mona, Mona, what I want to say is that for me, that's just a, that difference is a manifestation of of our of our deep seated um, customs and tradition, because. Huh. You know, um, the one thing that I've noticed now as a, as a consultant and a coach for women empowerment, the one thing that I know now is that when it comes to mental health, for example, mental okay. health discussion and topic in the Philippines is still, a, 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 it's, it's still highly suppressed. It's a little bit frowned upon when people try to openly discuss depression, anxiety, uh, you know, uh, mental illness. And around in the Western world, it's actually... It's, it's, part of, it's part of our culture to acknowledge that. In fact, in, in, in the big corporations, um, it is essential to have, you know, um, in-house psychiatrists, um, in-house psychologists. It's just the way, um, it's a part of life. And so the, the lack of direct communication between what's inside is reflected in the way that we communicate outside because yeah, and, and I don't think it's just the Philippines. I think it's it's the conservative culture in general. And Asia yeah. is a generally cons conservative culture. Uh, we really are. And, and I think it's, it's beautiful. Um, but there are areas where we can really be a little bit more, we can use a little bit more liberation, you know, for, for the benefit of, of, of our health and well-being. And that's one of the areas is to really be a little bit more direct when it comes to learning to acknowledge our feelings and our thoughts and, and, and are we okay or are we not okay? And just talk about that like it's it's part of daily conversation rather than um, 
suppress it when it comes up, like as if it's a taboo subject. So um, it's it's something I that I, I I wish, yeah. I feel I'd I'd love for that to open up a bit more, and yeah. Yeah, that goes with uh, with pretty much most vertical societies. A lot of them, like you said, in Asia, even Africa, Middle East. I mean, uh, once you are part of a certain culture, and, and every culture is beautiful the way it is. It's just different than other cultures, like horizontal versus uh, vertical culture, which is very understandable. Now, let's talk about business. You uh, are a successful person in Australia, coming from the Philippines. And talk to me about the language Obviously, English is not your language. Your native language is your second. Um, is that a barrier to succeed in Australia or in any other place in the world? Is language a barrier? Absolutely not. I have so many colleagues um, that are, yeah, most, yeah, Chinese. Um, uh -huh successful entrepreneurs and CEOs and and, lang and English is not their, yeah, it's probably their third, fourth, fifth, maybe even 10th language. <laughs> so uh -huh. it's not, and it, it's, it's not something that they're really worried about. It's in business, it's about, um, it's about your values as a business person and how you treat your employees and what your mission is. If you're in here for the long haul, which means you look uh -huh. after your customers, you look after your staff and you uh -huh. have a service or a product that's really, that's, that's sustainable. Um, uh -huh. That's what makes a business um, sustain. Uh, whether or not you speak the English language as a main uh -huh. language, is very secondary from my experience. I was a business banker for um, for a good second half of my career, and I've a lot of my successful business customers were did not speak English as the main language. They were just really good businessmen. Yeah. So I, yeah. yeah. For me personally, I I couldn't. Um, I don't have a lot of story because obviously I didn't really. I didn't struggle with the language it was something that i pretty much grew up with um, but based on my experience as a business banker um successful entrepreneurs are yeah, very diverse in their in in their ethnicity like um, okay. yeah. as far as speaking you are in the speaking business obviously you have to have a good command of the language you speak in with what would you tell people there are not native English speakers and they want to get into speaking. Yeah, great question. Um, everyone can be a speaker and really to, if you want to be a speaker, chances are you feel you have a message to deliver. And so the, the key to speaking is honing in into your message. What do you want to speak? What do you want to speak about? Why do you think it's important? So if you go back to that story that drove that message, that defining moment, then that will be the core of your message. Well, it, it doesn't matter if your English is, you know, is, is Western kind of accent or Asian kind of accent. Um, there's a lot to public speaking than just words and content. There's nonverbal um, intelligence involved. The way that you pause, 
the way that you mm -hmm, look your audience in the eye, the way that you deliver certain words and the way that mm -hmm. you show a certain particular scenario and, and, and your passion will come across because, uh, okay, I guess the best way I can, um, I can describe is that um, for those of you who've been to school, you would think mm -hmm. about your teacher or your professor who is just giving you information. They don't really mm -hmm. care if you're going to do anything with the information after class. They'll just tell you the information. Mm -hmm. That's a teacher. But as a speaker, you're there to inspire people to move. So you're not just delivering information. You're actually telling a story. And you're not going to care if it's a story in full English or if it's a story in some English and a lot of nonverbal action. I, I know this for a fact because um, I do uh, go to a, an annual conference called, called Speakers Tribe Conference, and this mm -hmm. is a global conference, and there's a lot of non-English um, speaking as their base language speakers okay. that do this. And you, yeah, the best, some of the best um, speakers on that stage um, are not Western. So oh. uh, I've just seen a lot of it. Like, so... Um, Although English is a universal language, uh, it is uh, really, it, it's not the only thing that connects everyone together. I think what connects everyone together is, um, is the stories that happen in our lives that are all the same. We all experience joy, grief, sorrow, success. Uh -huh failures, business, relationship. And when you have those stories and when you're willing to deliver them with vulnerability, doesn't matter if your English is, I don't know, two out of 10 or 10 out of 10, as long as you're up there and you're giving that passion. Excellent, excellent response. I, I love your response and you're absolutely right. I am going to ask perhaps the last question before I get your information, if you, people wanna get in touch with you. Um, Let's say I want to do business in the Philippines. What will Grace tell me to look out for, things I should do, things I should not do, and how will I communicate or how should I communicate with a Filipino? All right. Well, first, thing, I'm going to ask you, what kind of business do you want to do and why do you want to do it? You've got to have a strong reason why you want to do it, right? And um, chances are people that want to do business in the Philippines, it's because it's their native country. But if you're a Western wanting to invest in the Philippines, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll have to ask you why. You have to have a personal, um, a, a, a strong personal reason. And anyway, regardless, is that- Yes, regardless. Yeah. I am selling, let's say I'm selling Coca-Cola. I'm going to sell Coca-Cola in the Philippines. And I don't know anything about the Filipino market. What will Grace tell me or the advice that Grace will give me that will be helpful where I can go and say, ah, oh, she told me this. I am aware of this. I know this. I can handle this. What would you say? Well, you know what? I'm going to give you the advice that I will give you if you were a foreigner investing in any country that you were that you are foreign to. So, if you're an American investing in Australia, if you're an Australian investing in Africa, if you're if if you're a, an, an English person investing in the Philippines, if you're a foreigner investing in a foreign country that you weren't born in, don't listen to the first person that you've spoken to. 
That's okay. the one advice. Don't just go in there and go, oh, they sound really cool and they know everything and it sounds very promising and I've got all these um, promising revenue and bottom line and don't, yeah, just take it on board, do your research and move along to the second person and just step back after you've gathered enough information. And um, yeah, that's, and, and you would have to do that wherever you are, whoever you are, especially if it's a country that you weren't born in. Well, I mean, I, I want to know about the, the Philippines, specifically the Philippines. So I know that it's conservative culture. I know um, they're not confrontational. They may say yes, but the meaning is no. And they may say no, and the meaning is yes. Um, also, I have to be very careful about what I say, right? Well, you know, and I have to build trust. Yeah, go ahead. So Filipinos are very accommodating, very hospitable. We are okay. very, we're very, very nice people. Like we, yeah, we, I am certain of that. <laughs> we love for you to visit our country. Um, and so we try to, we try to be as giving as much as we can, sometimes to the point that we don't, we compromise ourselves, you know, and this is, I'm talking, I'm not like that now, obviously I'm Australian now, but I know because I am, uh, yeah, true blue Filipino, I was born and bred there. And so yeah. we, we, sometimes we, to the point of being a martyr, um, uh -huh. very sacrificial. And so as a foreigner, please don't take advantage of that kind of, you know, hospitality. And, and uh, yeah, just, just be aware that um, Asian cultures in general, they are gonna bend over backward to try and please you. So you, you, have, the, you have the responsibility to respect that kind of hospitality to, mm -hmm. because yeah, karma is real. <laughs> so if you yeah. want your business to succeed, you've got to treat the hospitality and the kindness um, you know, in a, in, in a respectful and mutual way. Um, yeah. But I, okay. I guess, um, yeah, I'd love for that to also um, evolve a little bit for us to be, you know, a little bit more entrepreneurial rather than just sacrificial, but that's just the nature um, of, you know, of, of yeah. us. It's just, we are kind and giving and we just like to accommodate people and it's, it's, yeah, yeah it just happens everywhere. Yeah, it happens everywhere. And I, I worked with a lot of uh, Filipino families. And, and the first thing that I've noticed, they're the hospitality. Um, and they're, they're just, just so generous. And every time I go and they invite me to their home, it's yeah, like, try to feed you a lot oh, of food. Have, oh my God, <laughs> a lot of food. And you feel right at home. They may not be talkative. Uh, some of them, like the older generation, may not be talkative, but they're really, really nice, nice people. And uh, when I go to a Filipino household, I, I feel at home. And I, I feel I can, I feel I am with my family. That's the bottom line. So last thing, where can people uh, reach you if they need your services? To talk to me about your services and where do they reach you at? They can reach me right here on this Facebook page. It's Grace Harris, writer and speaker, or just um, email me at support at thegraceharris.com or just send me a private Facebook message and um, I'm easily reachable that way.
if I, oh no, actually, no, not private Facebook message. Those I can't see if you're not connected to me. So on my website, there's a calendar there if you want to book in a, um, a strategy call or uh, put a comment down below on this video. Yeah. And you, uh, you pretty much work with the entire world. Oh, yes. So what I do, I'm a founder of Become the Woman of Your Dreams Academy. And so this academy is to empower women to live their full potential using the three stages of conscious living, that self-awareness, self-mastery, and legacy. And in this, in this academy, I'm really passionate about, you know, allowing women to have that space to uh -huh. be able to find their voice and to be able to make a difference by finding their legacy. Okay. Absolutely. That's something that I'm passionate about as well. Um, any questions uh, from your audience before we end this session? So I'm actually here. Um, I'm trying to find. So there if are. Not, yeah. Any questions uh, from your audience? Okay. Um, no questions, but um, I, I'm okay. seeing people. Um, but I. I can't control the volume, so I stop it. <laughs> okay. Well, it has been a pleasure having you, Grace, uh, and hopefully we can do this again. And uh, like you said, we are so connected today more than ever before. And it is time for people to understand that we all share the same characteristics. Things may be different from one place to another. And our job is to understand that difference for us to make it a better world for us and for the generations to come. So I thank you so much for uh, taking time. I know it's late in Australia. It's time for you to go to bed and it's time for me to start working. So I will say goodbye and thank you. It has been fun. Thank you, Monalu. It has been fun. Thanks everybody. Thank good night and good morning. Uh, bye bye.